Welcome to another episode of the Around the Keg Podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, and guys, it's Masters Week. How's everybody feeling today? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Got to wake up this morning. It's spring break. Watch some early round Masters. Four screens full of nothing but golf and a beautiful, beautiful Augusta National. It's wonderful. Love this time of year. Lando, how you doing, man? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on the show, Matt. You've been preoccupied with fatherly things and adult life and all that other nonsense, but I'm feeling great. Played some golf this week. As Wit Wit said, it's Masters week, so I'm really looking forward to who's going to win and finally having the actual Masters in the springtime instead of the fall. The course looks freaking awesome, and I'm just excited to watch some golf. Yeah, I am too. You know, I actually got it on right now. They're kind of coming towards the end. Um, I haven't gotten to watch it at all today just because I've been working so much, but it looks like Justin Rose... Um, is doing pretty well, but and uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But Keys, how you doing? This? How you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Had a good week, Lando. We got to get you to come up with the Nashville with this next time because we went up to Nashville last weekend. Went up there to visit Wit and our friend Austin who lives up there now, and our buddy Nathan who's always asking us questions on the show. He went up there as well, and he's a big Johnny Cash guy. So we got to take him up there to see the Johnny Cash Saloon and a lot of other places up there. Uh, and it was great to actually be able to go out somewhere in Nashville, kind of normally for like the first time in a year. We went out to a couple of few different bars, but one of my favorites was the Valentine, which is where Wit usually takes us to go watch the Georgia game in Nashville. Our lovely bartender, Jess, was slinging us some drinks again, and we've mentioned her in one of our bar stories on the pod before. She's actually our featured artist of the week this week, so if you stay till the end of the episode, you can hear her song, Dangerous. She's awesome. You can check her out on Spotify and Apple Music under Jess Taylor. And if you're ever in Nashville, stop by the Valentine and show her some love behind the bar. We had a really good time out there. It's always a fun time to go visit up there. Yeah, we love the Valentine up there. Uh, me and Keys have been up there a couple times. I went pretty much every single week during the fall. So I've gotten to know a couple of the bartenders. Christian's Christian's honestly my favorite. She usually works like the third floor. Uh, I think she's working rooftop nowadays. Who else did we meet? We met Amber up there. Marissa's what I've had for a while. For all you people in Nashville who listen to the show, I would definitely check out the Valentine. That's for sure. I'm going to have to sneak away from my adult and fatherly duties one weekend and get up there to Nash Vegas, man. Matt, I heard uh, I heard you were potentially coming up last weekend, and you ended up not happening. I have all summer. So, you know, one weekend in the summer when Nashville's popping, I'll be able to come up, uh, and, and y'all have to take me to some of these places that y'all talk about because it uh, sounds like a really good time. I mean, last summer was my first summer here, and I ended up not being able to really go out at all besides a couple times here and there, and, like, with capacity and stuff, it just wasn't the same, and Compared to what it was last year, I mean, it's almost back to normal. I wouldn't say it's perfect yet, but it, it's 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 getting there for sure. I think this summer will be back in full bloom, full bloom downtown Nashville. Also, when we're there, I would really like to go for potentially pre-College World Series and catch a Vandy game because uh, Vandy baseball, they are unreal. Probably the number one and two draft picks are in their starting rotation. I don't know if y'all keep up with college baseball or anything, but Man, I, I'm a big college baseball guy, and I, I've been watching those guys light it up this year. Yeah, I've been wanting to go to a game, too. Me and Nathan were actually talking about that this weekend. Um, I went and showed him the stadium, and I showed him the Vanderbilt Football Stadium and all those athletic facilities and stuff like that. Come on up. We'll, we'll go hit a Vandy game. Um, I heard some of those SEC baseball games get pretty crazy, so I'm up for it, man. Speaking of college sports, March Madness, the Baylor Bears are the college basketball champions of the world. They played a, a shutout game against Gonzaga. They played freaking awesome. Defense was stifling. Gonzaga couldn't even couldn't even breathe. Wherever Gonzaga went, 
Baylor was there. If a Gonzaga player went to the bathroom, there was a Baylor player wiping their ass. And that's the type of defense that you should play. That was awesome. That was an awesome game. Oh, man, you're not lying. I I, uh, I, I had watched a lot of the games, especially the all of the Gonzaga games, and just watching Gonzaga struggle, I didn't think that I would see it. But Baylor, they're so long. Their guards are so long and athletic. They were getting up in them, causing problems. They were shooting the lights out of the ball. I want to say they were like 10 for 19 at one point from three while Gonzaga was one for 10. It was uh, it was nuts. And, you know, congrats to the Baylor Bears. Uh, Scott Drew, all of those guys, uh, he basically rebuilt that program after some, some sticky, a sticky situation that the Baylor Bears got in. So, uh Good for good for the Baylor Bears. It was the Baptists versus the Catholics. It was a uh, Protestant Reformation all over again. Yeah, I honestly expected that game to be one of the better March Madness national championships I've ever seen before, just because of how dominant both of those teams were throughout the whole entire tournament and pretty much throughout the year as well. I mean, I know you guys were probably as surprised as I was that Baylor completely shut down Gonzaga. Yeah, honestly, I now I know people are going to be like, oh, no, he no, he didn't. He didn't think that. But I had a strange feeling that somebody was going to get blown out. Either Baylor was going to get blown out or Gonzaga was going to get blown out. And, you know, as we know, as we all know, Gonzaga got blown out. But I think Gonzaga just used up all their mojo uh, after that, that buzzer beater win in the Final Four. Yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy game, that UCLA game. I didn't think they were going to get blown out, but I had a sneaky suspicion that because they won that game against UCLA, they might come out and, and lose, but I didn't think it was going to be a blowout like it was. I wish it was a better game. I love when the national championship is a great game, like the Butler-Duke game that we had several years ago uh, with, the, with the missed half-court shot right at the last second. Like That was a great game. Uh, the UCLA game, the UCLA-Gonzaga game was a great game. I was hoping we were going to get something like that in the national championship. Yeah, I got the feeling it was going to be a blowout game just because – all the, the the couple days leading up till the game, everybody was like, this is the game we want to see. We finally get a game, oh, you know, yeah. number one versus number one. The two best teams are finally going to see who's the best. We haven't had this in so long in college basketball. This is going to be awesome. Such a great game. And I was thinking somebody's going to get blown out and we're all going to be sad. Yeah, it, it, a lot of the hype reminded me of that 2005 UNC-Illinois game where Illinois went in undefeated. And I was kind of having the, I kind of had the feeling that you know, the undefeated team is the one that's got all the pressure. They come out, they play a little bit tight while the, while the other team, like in that, in that case, in 05, it was UNC that played loose. They played fast. And, uh, you know, I, I remember that Gonzaga and Baylor were supposed to play earlier in the year, but that game got shut down due to COVID. And everyone was hyping that game up at the time. It's like, oh, this is the, the true number one and true number two teams uh, that are actually getting to play each other. And then it didn't happen. So congrats to the Baylor Bears and the Big 12 for uh, – uh, having a great basketball season. Yeah, I mean that was that was a really it was a really good basketball season. It's really good tournament. Um, honestly, for me, I feel like I say this every single year that we have March Madness, but I feel like it was one of the better March Madness tournaments that I actually sat down and watched and got through. There was upset after upset. We had an 11 seed get to the Final Four in UCLA. The only thing that I'm I kind of feel bad about is I feel like this was Gonzaga's one year to go ahead and win it. Like, I feel like usually they're up there with the big dogs, but they're usually not on the same level as like UNC Duke, Kansas. Um, I know they got to the national championship back in like 2017 when they lost to uh, UNC. Um, I think that was the first time they ever went to the national championship. Maybe I might, I could be completely wrong with that to be honest, but yeah, I, I just, I just, I just feel like it's a huge disappointment of a season 
for uh, Gonzaga, which which is just just kind of hard to look at with a guy like Mark Few who's done so well in college basketball as long as he's been at Gonzaga. And while we're on the topic of March Madness, we also want to you know shout out women's college basketball champion Stanford for winning the championship. I know women's college basketball doesn't get a whole lot of hype, but we also need to you know point them out because it actually is some pretty good basketball that they play. So I actually watched the last like 15 seconds of that game. And it actually ended in pretty dramatic fashion. Good, good for women's college basketball, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next year they'll get the same kind of gym set up that the men got this year because they kind of got gypped on that whole stuff. To be honest, even with the Masters theme, Tiger gave his uh, alma mater a shout out, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is that was that was that Stanford's first national championship in women's college basketball. I think it was. I think it was. Yes, I think it was. Well, hey, good for them. Good for them. Well, all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our mailbag. Uh, first question is from at Blunt Monk. His question is, thoughts on Adam Gase as a head coach? Oh, man, I know my thoughts. Well, Blunt Monk, you need to lay off that blunt because uh, Adam Gase is a horrible head coach, and, also, and I think that this question is a horrible question. So, Yeah, not a big Adam Gase guy. He got so much love when he was the OC for the Bears. And so then he goes to the Dolphins, and he's like, oh, I'm going to bring Jay Cutler as my quarterback, who, in my opinion, Jay Cutler is like, He's good, but it's like the longer that he's been away, everyone makes him out way better than he was. So, yeah, Adam Gase, not a good head coach. I mean, you saw what happened in New York. Dumpster fire. I don't trust Adam Gase to coach literally anything. I don't think. He he just seems like maybe he's like a smart football mind. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Tyler from Georgia Southern, to be honest. I feel like he's, he's like a pretty smart football mind. He knows what he's talking about. He comes off as smart. He's just like a very awkward guy, and he can't get players to play for him and buy into his program. So that, especially in the NFL, that's just not going to work out. I wouldn't trust Adam Gase to get me a glass of water. So <laughs> that that's how I feel about him as a head coach. Yeah, well, I think we're done with that one. We'll go ahead and move on to, we got a couple questions from our buddy at Kissler underscore 106. His first question is, uh, this is a good one for you, Matt. One day, Nick Saban will no longer be the head coach of Alabama. Who, in your mind, is best to replace him? I'll be honest. I've, I've waffled on this question many a time. Because when you think about it, there's always like the one obvious answer at any given time where it's like, oh, this is the guy that's going to replace him, or this is the other going to replace him. I could see Alabama going a few different directions. At one point, I, prior to Clemson winning another national championship, I said Dabo Swinney would leave and go home. Uh, he played at Alabama. He was a GA at Alabama. He started his coaching career there. So I was thinking maybe he would. Um, I could see, believe it or not, I could see if, like, in the next two or three years, uh, I could see Lane Kiffin moving, making the move from Ole Miss to Alabama, just following the old master's footsteps. Um, and then, really, here's, a, here's one that probably is going to surprise some people. So Nick Saban is friends with Hugh Freeze. And Hugh Freeze didn't take any big jobs this year. And there's been a lot of places that have inquired on Hugh Freeze, but he's like, no, I'm staying at Liberty. If Saban tells Freeze, hey, I've got one or two more years left in the tank, and then I'm, I'm going to hang it up, Hugh Freeze could sit at Liberty and wait on the Alabama job because then he's going into a gold mine. So I, I don't know. I could see those three, any of those three, probably not Dabo anymore, um, maybe Kiffin. Outside of that, I could see Alabama going and, you know, trying to find somebody that's got deep ties to the program uh, that's, that started their coaching career. I, but 
at the same time, it's Alabama. They're gonna pay. They're gonna pay the big bucks for whoever they can get. They want the best out there, best available. Um, and and the brand now speaks for itself. I like both those names you threw out, Matt, with um, Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin would be a great fit for Alabama, just because kind of the way he went out there. I think it would be a good coming back and you know, kind of saying "f you" to all the people who you know, kind of gave him the boot. Hugh Freeze would be another really good spot. A lot of Alabama fans, like, they really don't hold it against Lane Kiffin the way he went out. Like, I, I I, have no issues with the way he went out. I mean, obviously, it kind of sucked that he went out right before the national championship because I still think that had he been the play caller for that game, the national championship, I think it turns out a little bit different. But, I mean, that's, that's you know, what if or forever. What if Colt McCoy didn't get hurt in the 2009 national championship? I mean, you know, you can go on those forever. But. For whatever reason, people still seem to like Lane Kiffin in Alabama, and and so I think that that would be a favorable hire in the eyes of a lot of the, a lot of the fan base. Man, if you freeze went to Alabama, imagine the type of escorts he would get there. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're much better than the ones that he was getting in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you guys, the the names you guys are throwing around, Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. I think those guys are definitely more likely than Dabo to get the job. Um, but if we're sitting here talking about who is the best to replace him, I feel like Dabo is a better fit for Alabama than both of those guys. Honestly, I think he's a better fit for Alabama than anybody. Not even just because he went to Alabama, but just because he knows, like he knows the tradition, he knows the lifestyle. He's done a good job with um, the culture at Clemson, and Alabama needs to keep that good culture going. Um, if I'm taking bets, I think Alabama ends up promoting somebody from within whoever is like their next up and coming, they'll have a next up and coming guy once Saban retires. Cause that's, I feel like that's just something when people get rid of like their top head coach that they've had for years and years, I feel like they don't just jump to a completely new coach um, who has a completely different system and have a whole new coaching staff. They usually just promote from within and continue, um, continue the program, how it was going. So I feel like that's probably what's going to happen, but I would take I would take Dabo if if I was if I could pick anybody in the country, I'd probably take Dabo to go coach Alabama. I, I agree with you, but the problem is, is all these all these up and coming coaches, as soon as they get a chance to leave for a bigger job, they do. Oh yeah, and and so it's like a revolving door, and that's why I think that they're going to have to go outside because you know every year, new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, you know, and and it just continues that process just continues. You know, obviously Kirby was the head coach in waiting. And no one really thought Saban was going to stay at Alabama as long as he did or has. Um, they thought that he was going to do exactly what he did at you know, LSU and the Dolphins and Michigan State, win a couple, go to Texas, and then Kirby would hop into the Alabama job and sit pretty on it. And, you know, obviously Kirby got tired of waiting and the Georgia job came open. It was his dream job, and I don't blame him for leaving. I don't know that I think that Dabo would do the same thing that Kirby did, though. I don't think he'd jump ship on the, the brand that he's created at Clemson. He's kind of got a big ego about that now. No, if I'm a betting man, I'm not taking I'm not taking Dabo to leave Clemson. I mean, Alabama isn't going to pay him more money than Clemson would pay him because Clemson is going to throw every single bit of money they have to keep Dabo at Clemson. So I think that's why. Like I mean, Matt's saying Matt's right. Like every it feels like every year, every other year, Alabama has this up and coming coach. Who they're like, oh, well, this could be like the successor to Saban. And then, like, by the end of the year, he's jumping for another job, like Sarkeesian going to Texas or like Kirby going to Georgia, Lane going to uh, FAU, and now he's at Ole Miss. I mean, stuff like that. But I feel like once the time rolls around for Saban to retire, whoever that next up and coming coach is, is going to end up being the head coach of Alabama. 
that would be my guess. If I'm putting money down on it, you know, I'm putting my life savings down on who's going to be the coach. I would bet whoever that next up and coming coach is at Alabama at the time. But so realistically, what kind of timeline are we thinking here, Matt, for uh, how long Saban's going to stick around? Is he going to pull a Tom Brady and just go until he dies? Or? I really don't know. I mean, I want to take his word when he says that he wants to stay as long as the program's good and he feels like he's in control of everything. But at the same time, I mean, he is getting older. I don't know. He's built different. I could see him going another four or five years, honestly, before he even considers it. Please, no. <laughs> I can't take five more years. I can't take five more years of getting close to the national championship and losing Alabama. So. Well, is that more of a Nick Saban problem or is it more of a of a Georgia problem? I think it's uh, Alabama is unreal problem. I don't know about that. Georgia got really, really close, and then it slipped right. right through their fingers. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting off topic now. We got to move on to this next question. But are we really getting <laughs> off topic? <laughs> we're getting way off topic. Moving on to the next question, we got another one from Kissler. Uh, this one is thoughts on the one-time transfer rule for college football. What do y'all think? I mean, I like it. I mean, if you if you don't make it one place, then why should you try eight different more places? It's that's kind of dumb. I like it, but to me, it also kind of turns into a free agency situation where it's like, oh, I don't like where I'm at, and now I want to transfer, and that's going to happen like anywhere, you know, uh, any of the big programs. I mean, it helps smaller programs in a way, but say Georgia has a quarterback that's a senior, and there's a freshman quarterback that goes to somewhere else, and then it's like, oh, well, there's a spot open there now. I don't have to compete. I'm just going to go jump in there and be the best guy. I don't really know how I feel about that, but at the same time, you're making an 18-year-old kid commit to a four-year decision right off the rip. So, like, I understand it from both sides. College students back in, you know, the, the 80s and the 90s and all that stuff like that, they, they, they made commitments to one school. So, why, you know, why are kids nowadays jumping ship so early just because it doesn't work out? Like, that, that, that's such a weak mindset to have. Like, you go places because you want to go there. You want to be there. You like that school. You know, just yeah. because something doesn't work out, like, like work it out. That's all life is. Life isn't all sunsets and, and rainbows. Life, life sucks sometimes. You have to, you have to, you know, go through it. Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't like that. That is how we're kind of moving towards in college football. I don't like that. We're, it's like, we're almost looking at these guys as pro athletes now. And I, and I understand why, because soon they're going to be making money. They're going to be like, they're only going to college because they have to now. They, like if, if they could just jump ship, right in high school a lot of these five stars and guys like that probably would even though it probably wouldn't work out for a lot of them because a lot of times i'd say like at least half of the five stars every single year either don't work out or are are like more like role player type guys not like big time nfl type players but um i like it in the sense but the only reason i like it is because the way that the transfer portal has changed things for college football they the NCAA has been extremely inconsistent on who they've been giving the free passes to, who they've been and who they've been holding back and making them sit out a year. I think it's good to just be like, okay, no matter what your situation is, you get one transfer as somebody who's not a graduate transfer. And if it if you go to that school, no matter what, you gotta tough it out and you gotta fight for your position. If you need to transfer again, um, that's that's it. You got you're gonna have to sit out a year. If you need to take a redshirt or whatever, so you got to sit out of here. So um, I like it because I think it's going to help with the crazy transfer portal stuff that's going on right now. But I do I don't like the fact that it's bringing in like a free agency for college football. It's it's just it's just weird. Yeah, I'm with you. I I like it. Um, 
there's a couple of reasons I like the transfer rule in general, and that's just because, you know, you have some players like out of high school, they don't get that much recognition. And then they get to college, they blow up and they're, you know, playing at some small school. Maybe they want to get up to the next level, maybe get that exposure. You know, give them that one transfer. That That's fine. Or or the people who need to transfer for like the, there was a, a lineman a couple of years back, I think for Virginia or Virginia Tech. I can't remember. Yes, yes. Uh, and he wanted to transfer so that his sick grandfather could see him play. Like that's a, like to me, that's yeah, like a that let him transfer. You know, I don't like the reasons where where people are, you know, trying to leave schools because they feel like they're not <laughs> getting Martell. the point. <laughs> like Tate Martell, <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to get the playing time because they feel like they've been cheated or whatever else. You know, still get, I, I'm good for the one time. Mm-hmm. But to keep just moving through like a million times, and that's exactly what I was talking about. Tate Martell is a prime example of why I like this rule. He went somewhere, got beat out, transferred somewhere else, got beat out, and now he transferred somewhere else. Like, no, come on, man. Like, j- just just take your lumps and finish out wherever the heck you are. Like, ride it out. See, I'm, I'm with you there, Lando. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I hate the, I hate the whole mentality that has become college football where it's like, oh, I no longer like this place because it's hard. So I'm going to go somewhere where it's easier. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, Kistler's next question. This is his last one. Um, if the universe is on the line, you have to pick seven current NFL players for a flag football game against aliens. Who do you pick? Tyler Murray. Tom Brady would be my quarterback, yep. so it wouldn't I'd really matter. I picked Brady, too. It wouldn't really matter who the other six are. See, here's the reason I picked Kyler Murray. I want somebody that's going to be athletic on defense, too, because they got to play both ways. Well, see, I want somebody. I want somebody who has black magic in his in his veins. So, but can he scramble? He's got to play both ways, and he's got to be able to avoid the rushers with not. Are you telling me? Defense. Are you telling me Tom Brady can't play free safety? I'm telling you, Tom Brady's not the most athletic guy out. Have there. Have you seen him run the forty? Uh, he's a freak. It's, it's horrendous to watch. Him and Mac Jones would be my would be my two my first two picks. Granddaddy Longlegs out there running the forty. Those are my those are my starting corners. So. Don't hate on Mac Jones. Mac Jones ran that four six eight forty faster than uh, your boy Pat Mahomes. But does the forty really matter for a quarterback? No, I'm just no. That was pro day. That's a that's an unofficial pro day. I, I you know in my unofficial pro day, I ran a four three. You did what you was did. it was it hand timed or was it lasers? It was hand timed. Nah, by, by <laughs> me. <laughs> by myself. I've got seven, or I've got at least three that I want. Kyler Murray, because he's athletic, he's going to be able to play both ways. DeAndre Hopkins, because he's an absolute freak of an athlete again. Jalen Ramsey, because I've got to have a, co- a cover guy to shut down them. Jalen Ramsey's unbelievable corner. I'm going to go Aaron Donald, because he's going to absolutely bully some people. Even if even if it's flag football, he's a, he, he's got that mentality if he's just not going to mess around. And then I'm going to go Julio Jones, because he's still a top three receiver. He's, again, freak of an athlete. I went with, I went with pure athleticism here. So I went DK Metcalf. And then my seventh guy, Jamal Adams. Why not? He's going to fly all over the field. Matt, my list was exactly the same as yours, except for instead of having DeAndre Hopkins, I had Tyreek Hill because of his speed. And instead of having DK, I had Christian McCaffrey. Because, I mean, he could play any position on the field. He's, he's unbelievable. So he, I think he's probably like, if I had to pick one NFL football player to be on my Georgia Southern flag football team, in a real flag football team, it would probably be Christian McCaffrey because he would he would rock it for sure. So that's the thing about flag is you can it, like it doesn't really do you any good to have like actual linemen, even though they have the technique and everything, no. because they got to be able to you know they got to be as fast as Tariq Hill to be able to get you know the block that guy out. 
Yeah, like somebody in our group message the other day had Miles Garrett. I'm like, Miles Garrett's a freak. It's athlete, not going to work. Yeah, it, he's a freak because he's so big. He could just push people over. He's not a freak because he's fast. I mean, not that he's slow, but but all right, guys, let's let's go ahead and move on to Chad S underscore five two nine's questions. Uh, and his question is expectations for the Braves this season. What do y'all think? Well, got off to a horrible start to the season. Yeah, but not good at all. Won the last two games. I think they're starting, kind of starting to get the head out their ass, find their stride. I think the Braves could, if healthy, I think the Braves could go back to the NLCS. Braves should absolutely win the division. I don't care what the other teams did. The Braves didn't have to do much because they were already that much better. Staroka is going to come back healthy. They added Charlie Morton, so they got a veteran starter. The Braves should win the division. That's that. The Dodgers are probably going to – the Dodgers should win the World Series. They added Trevor Bauer. They got better. They're going to have to beat the Dodgers. Braves should win the division at least. Uh, I'm not going to walk on eggshells here. The Braves should win the World Series this year. Do I think they will? I'm not, I wouldn't put my life on it because it's the Braves. It's an Atlanta sports team. I, I don't trust Georgia sports teams with my whole life because I know how they are. I grew up watching every Georgia sport there is. But the Braves, the expectations for the Braves this year should be to win the World Series. I mean, we were we were up 3-1 on the Dodgers, and then we lost seven games straight, including the beginning of this year. We're, we're a good baseball team. You could, I mean, you could see the beginning of the year. There were some things this offseason that, I don't know if it was coaching or what, that we just, it just seemed like, it just seemed like we got out of what we were doing at the end of last year, especially hitting. I, I mean, I, I really don't know what was going on, but it looks like, Looks like we finally kind of got it back. Our our bats kind of started to catch fire a little bit in that series against the Nationals. Um, we got another series coming up against the Phillies this weekend. Um, we got some of our guys pitching. Mike Soroka is supposed to be coming back mid-April, maybe towards the end of April now with that. He's having some kind of shoulder shut to shoulder issue, kind of shutting him down for a little bit. But the Braves should win the World Series, but we'll see if it actually happens. The only reason I'm not saying the Braves should win the World Series is because the Dodgers – got better they did so did the and so did the Padres I mean the Padres probably added more than anybody this offseason I mean to me Padres Padres is a World Series favorite in my opinion but with the Dodgers being on a coming off of World Series right you have and and here's the problem the playoffs comes down to pitching it always does whoever whoever pitches the best in the playoffs is usually right. the World Series winner and you instead of you know normally you lose a guy or you try to replace a guy and instead of that, the the Dodgers now have Walker Bueller, who is a freak. You're going to have to beat him twice, or at least once. You're going to face him twice. You're going to have to face Trevor Bauer twice and beat him at least once. And you're going to have Clayton Kershaw still. I mean, they they're loaded. They they really have. And then you know Julio Urias, who used to be a starter, could be a starter, could be a front end guy. And he's kind of in a longer leaf role just because he's had some health issues. But freak, I mean, they, they're just – Kenley Jansen is a closer. They're loaded from bottom, from top to bottom in their pitching staff, their bullpen, everything. I don't, I don't know how you beat them in a seven-game series. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Yeah, Dodgers are definitely going to be a tough out. So are the Padres. Um, I think the NL is going to be pretty close this year, that's for sure. Um, let's go ahead and move on, though. We'll go ahead and move on to our pour one out, cut them off segment. Matt, who are you pouring one out for? I am going to pour one out for the Masters because it's back. It's a beautiful time of year here in the in the state of Georgia. The weather is great, minus the pollen. Uh, the pollen is horrible, but 
uh, all things considered, the weather's great. It's starting to get a little summer feel to it. Um, and, you know, you get to see these awesome greens. The azaleas are in full bloom. And, uh, you know, the, there's fans at the Masters. Augusta National is back in, in true form. And, you know, just pouring one out for them because they've done a great job. Um, cutting off. I'm not, I'm not going to completely steal Lando's, but I'm cutting off Rob Manfred. We live in Georgia, or I live in Georgia, so for reasons that are, you know, to be remain unseen. Uh, if, if you don't know why I'm, I dislike the guy, uh, you can look it up, I'm sure, pretty easily. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Lando, who are you cutting off? Matt, you know who I'm cutting off. I'm cutting off MLB for this one reason. We live in Atlanta, and the All-Star game was stripped away from us. And now it's put in Colorado. But it was going to be in Atlanta. And I was looking forward to going down to the battery and having a good time watching, you know, the home run derby, all the all-star festivities. And now it's gone for reasons I won't get into because, you know, it's not the kind of podcast. But it's just I think it's lame that we're not going to have a, uh, an all-star game here. And who knows when it's going to come back to Atlanta. So just disappointed in the, in the MLB's decision. Whit. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. It's a little bit different to design Atlanta. Um, I'm actually going to pour one out for Nashville events because we just started back up with Preds games. People are getting to get into the stands. We're kind of lowering capacity on on concerts and stuff. We're starting to get events come back. We got the sounds that are coming back this year. Um, we got the MLS stadium being built. It should be done pretty soon. And the soccer team looked pretty good last year, so they're going to be back in that stadium. So um, I'm, I'm pouring one out for Nashville events. I'm, I'm excited to get to some this summer, and I know uh, – I know my buddy Keys over there is too. Up to see the look on his face. So, um, and I'm going to be cutting off Braves aggressive hitting to start the year because uh, we came out against the Phillies, and I know we kind of talked about the Braves already, so I won't get too far into it. But we came out against the Phillies. We it looked like swung we just swung bats at everything. I mean, we didn't we didn't get walks. I think we struck out. I think the last game against the Phillies, we struck out 15 times and had one or two walks, maybe zero. Um, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I mean it was. Just, just pitiful. So, um, hopefully the Braves keep up what they did this past series against the Nationals, and uh, we start to see a turnaround with some of the hitting. Keys, what about you? Who you pouring one out for? Oh man, you know I'm gonna start with the cut them off. And God, young, thick Austin Riley keeps swinging at everything outside the box, and it's it's killing me, man. But he's not looking Should've too too bad. Him. Yeah, well, he's not looking too bad. I don't think he's the. I don't think he's your he's your guy. But he he's not doing too bad. He's filling the hole. Earlier on in this week, I was I was thinking about cutting off the Braves. I was really thinking we were gonna go for you know at least zero and six. But thankfully, they pulled it together, and and they won two games. So I'm not gonna cut them off, but I'm cutting them off. That was, I'm cutting off their start. It was it was rough to watch. Uh, everybody I know, I got some Cubs fans texting me about it, and you know saying Rizzo is better than Freeman and all this garbage. Clearly, they're wrong. Hey, here's a tidbit, Cubs fans that listen. The Chicago Cubs batting average is worse than all MLB pitchers batting average combined. So take that for what it's worth and uh, enjoy that. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to actually pour one out for the Texas Rangers. Um, You know, on this podcast, we just like to talk about sports and positive things in sports, sometimes negative things in sports. Positive thing for sports, we got a full stadium for the first time in over a year. I tuned into the game for a little bit just to hear the crowd. It sounded amazing. Uh, it, it honestly, it gave me a little bit of hope. Can't wait to see a little bit more of that coming up in the future. Hopefully a lot more teams are able to start implementing fuller stadiums. I know the Braves start out at, at one-third capacity. I think it's 13,000. 
So uh, hopefully I can be one of those 13,000 here up in the next week or so. Oh, I do too. And hopefully the Braves will be hosting a World Series this year now that we're not going to be doing it in a quarantine bubble kind of MLB playoffs. We'll actually have actual home playoff games this year, which I'm definitely excited to get back. All right, guys. So who are y'all's picks to win the National League, American League, and the World Series this year? So for the National League, I'm going to pick the Dodgers, uh, like I was talking about earlier. I, it's you, you win the World Series, the monkey's off your back. You have one of the top two players in the major leagues with Mookie Betts. And then you add Trevor Bauer, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, to that pitching rotation with Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, you, you know, that, that's that's a stout rotation. Um you know, playoff Kershaw didn't really show his ugly head last year. Uh, they won the World Series, so I'm going National League. I'm going with the Dodgers. American League, this one's a bit tougher because I think the American League is a little more wide open. Obviously, the popular pick would be to go with the Yankees because every year their lineup is stacked. You know, Giancarlo, Judge, Gleyber Torres, uh, they're, they're loaded. Um, I just don't know if they have the pitching to win it, and that's why – I'm going to pick them anyways because, uh, I mean, on paper, the Yankees should absolutely win the American League. I hate the Yankees, my least favorite team in the entire world. I I despise them. Of all of the teams in the American League and MLB, the Yankees would be the one that I hope never see another World Series. But I think it's going to be Dodgers-Yankees World Series, and I think the Dodgers are going to win. comes down to pitching and, uh, you know, Judge and John Carlo can't stay healthy. One of them's gonna go down. I'm I'm gonna go Dodgers winning the World Series and repeating for the first time since the Yankees did it. Yeah, for my pick, I'm gonna go with a healthy Atlanta Braves winning the NL and the Houston Astros, who look pretty good in the early uh, part of this season. Uh, I think they're gonna play in the World Series, and I got the Braves winning the World Series. Hopefully, man, I hope you're right, Lando. I hope you're right. I uh, for me, I think the NL is gonna come down to the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Padres. Um, I think the Mets are going to make a run this year. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to have a really good team. I think they're going to make a run as well. But I think in the end, it's going to come down to the Braves and the Padres. I think the Padres are going to beat the Braves, unfortunately. Um, I, th- I just think they, they have a little bit better of a lineup than we do. So um, I got the Padres, and I got the Padres playing against the Twins. I think the Twins have been in it for the past three years or so. They've been looking really good to start the year. Um, I think this is going to be the year. I think it's either them, the White Sox, or the Yankees this year. Um, I think the Astros are still pretty good. The Angels, I think, are going to make a little bit of a run this year. They, they improved their, on their pitching. Um, if Otani can stay healthy, he's really going to help them make a run. I think they're at least going to make the playoffs. Um, but I'm going to take I'm going to take the Twins. And I'm going to have the Padres beat the Twins in the World Series. That's a great pick, Wick. Uh, I actually have the White Sox was, was my second team there that I was thinking. I mean, they're, they're young, they're healthy, but they're nasty. Uh, or when they're healthy, they, Tim yeah. Anderson's Tim Anderson's a top five shortstop in the American League. Lucas Giolito's a freak on the mound. Teammate, high school teammate of Max Reed. Um, that's a nasty, nasty young team. And but I think that they're gonna they're they're gonna need a little bit of growing pains in the playoffs, just like what the Braves experienced last year. High school teammate of Max Reed and Jack Flaherty, right? Yeah, Jack Flaherty, and they did not win a state title with all three of those guys on the starting on the mound for them. That is unreal. Keys, what about you? So I think that Lando picked a bad year last year to become a Braves fan coming from a Dodgers fan. And I think he's going to regret that again this year. I think the Dodgers are going to go actually all the way, but I think they're going to win the NL. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Angels are going to win the AL. 
Uh, I've seen a lot of good things from them so far. I think they might surprise some people. And one of my favorite players that you mentioned, Shohei Atani, is on the Angels. Love watching him play. He actually was the first player in 118 years to start a game pitching and bat second in the starting lineup. And I think he hit a home run in that game, but I can't be sure. Really fun guy to watch. I like actually watching the Angels a little bit in my on my days off. But yeah, I think that the Dodgers are actually going to repeat and beat the Angels in the World Series. My Shohei Otani fun fact, my favorite one, is that he has thrown the hardest pitch from us as a starting pitcher this year uh, in the major leagues, had the highest velocity, and he has the highest exit velocity as a hitter. He had a ball 115 miles an hour. <laughs> that was wild. Was an I absolute saw Absolute moonshot. So, like, I, I will say sometimes I get a little tired of the Otani praise, but, I mean, the kid's a freak, and you, I can't imagine being as good as he is at both because a lot of guys struggle with just one. He's a player. He is indeed a player. I mean, I feel like the only reason Otani hasn't been up there for like MVP voting or, or Cy Young or anything is just because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, he's he's had all kinds of injury problems since he's come into the league. If he could stay healthy this year, and they got, I mean, they got Rendon, they got Trout, they got all kinds of really good players around him as well. Um, and their pitching has been so much better. It improved a lot last year, and this year, so far, it's looked really, really good. The starting rotations look great. So um, I would love to see the Angels make a run for sure. But, guys, that's enough about baseball. Um, I know we're all excited that baseball's back, but this week is Masters Week. It's the first spring with the Masters in the past two years. Um, we got it last fall, but there's just there's just something about having the Masters in the spring. It's something about Augusta National. So, who do you guys have winning the Masters this year? I have Brooks Kepka winning the Masters. I know he just had some knee surgery done in, what was it, uh, March? but I think it's not going to affect him too much. Uh, we'll see what he does on Saturday, which is moving day. Hopefully he does pretty well, but uh, right now everybody is trying to catch Justin Rose. So there's two people that I'm really pulling for this year in the Masters. Obviously, my favorite golfer, uh, Justin Thomas. Would love to see him get one. Um, Alabama guy. But another guy that I'm really pulling for who actually had a great day today. Uh, will he be able to keep it up? Probably not. He's not as well known. His name's Brian Harmon. From Savannah, Georgia. My, yeah. He was in my mom's pre-K class uh, at Savannah Christian. So I am I am really pulling for him to do well this year. I uh, would love to see him bring home a green jacket to the great city of Savannah, Georgia. Um, so those are two guys I'm really pulling for. Also, I mean, I, I could I could really see – it seems like every year, and and I, I like don't know why his name never gets brought up, but Hideki Matsuyama is like always in the top four. I could see him breaking through and getting one one year. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see. Um, for me, I think my pick is going to be Jordan Spieth. And it's not just because he won that tournament last week. It was his first tournament he's won in the past couple of years. Um, he's really kind of been on a downward spiral, but he's been playing some good golf this year. Um, he's had a couple of tournaments where he's kind of blown up. He is just an absolute head case. Um, but when he has his head together and he's playing good golf, it's he's always, he's always one of the better players. He is one of the most talented players. Um, in the game, especially a short game. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. I, Justin Thomas is also my favorite player, so he's the one that I'll be cheering for, um, considering he hasn't won a Masters yet, and it would be really cool to see him win the green jacket. Um, but my dark horse favorite, and I almost picked him, to be honest, is Corey Connors. And if you guys don't watch golf, you guys probably have no idea who this is. But Corey Connors has been in the top five for... Um, I don't think he was he was for the last tournament, but like the three tournaments before that, including the Players Championship, 
he was in the top five, top ten for her. So he's been playing some really good golf. He's kind of been on the upswing. He hasn't actually broken through and won one of these tournaments, but um, he's definitely a dark horse guy. If you're a betting man, as I am, um, he's a guy I threw a little bit of money at because the odds for him winning are just awesome because no one no one has any idea who he is. So um, Corey, keep your eye out for Corey Connors. He's a good player. I can tell you who I was not picking, and that's Rory McIlroy. Oh my gosh, he looks he's horrible. What the hell happened to him? He is taking such a downward spiral. Speaking of downward spirals, he is taking one that I don't know if he'll ever recover. See, he's just like Jordan, though. Like, he is unbelievably talented. He's one of those guys that when he came into the PGA, everybody was like, oh, this is the next Tiger Woods. He's going to start, like, just rattling off all these tournaments. But I just feel like he he is so – he's either really, really, really good or he's just, like, straight up bad. Like, he just explodes. Like, if he's not playing well, he just gets in his head, and he just – he looks like he just doesn't even care. Sorry, Keys. I, I I don't mean to keep talking, but I think that just speaks to the greatness of Tiger Woods that is underappreciated sometimes by us. Uh, absolutely. Because it's like we always are deeming – like, Spieth, whenever he won the Masters and he came in second, it was like, next Tiger Woods. And mm-hmm. then you see what happened. And then you, the same thing with Rory. And it's like we always are looking for the next Tiger. And then – Meanwhile, Tiger's just sitting there like, hey, what I did was pretty freaking impressive. And then if I didn't do stupid stuff, I probably would have broken Jack Jack's record by now. Hey, Matt, you don't have to apologize to me when it comes to golf because I have not much golf knowledge at all. But I, I'll make a promise to you guys. I'm going to get out on the range with Lando some this year. And around this time next year, when the Masters comes back around, I'll actually be able to talk about it. I'm going to try to get into it this next year. I know all y'all are really into it already. Matt went golfing this week. How'd you do, Matt? I've golfed or done some type of golf activity actually three days this week. I golfed Monday, did terrible. Golf Tuesday, did a little bit better, still not great. Um, and then today I just went to the range and chipped and hit some balls. I'm just golf is one of those games where like if you put it down for too long and then you try and come back, there's so much rust that you've got to knock off. And so like I hadn't played since September. And then I went out and I didn't, I got, I got to the course. I thought we were, our tee time was at one thirty, So I got there at one. Turns out our tee time was at, I got there at 1255. Tee time was at one. So didn't hit any balls on the range. And then I had to go out and play around. And so like, by the time I got on the back nine, I was stroking it a lot better, but it's one of those games that you've got to play so consistently and it's expensive. Yeah. I played on Tuesday and, um, I bought a pack of balls, right? And, you know, for for us who play golf, a pack and a pack of balls is, is twelve balls. I end up not even using any of those balls in that pack. That's how well I played. I I used only I think four balls or over over eighteen holes. Played pretty well. Uh, everything started to unravel after uh, I think it was hole fourteen. I had a bad driver off 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 into the woods. And it, everything went downhill from there. On my scorecard, uh, there's there's actually not a score in, in, on those last couple holes. There's just uh, a frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> I've, done, I've done that before too, Matt. Actually, um, for me, I know you were talking about if, if you don't play for a while, you get kind of rusty. For me, if I play too much, I get rusty. I don't know if it's just like I just kind of get. I think it's I think it's a middle thing. I think I just get too far in my head, and I'm just like. When I'm playing really good, I'm like, okay, I have to do this to get better. I have to do this to get better. I have to just do this to get better. I end up playing worse than I did when I first started playing again. But for me, if I play a lot and then take some time off and like don't really play for a while and then jump back into it, I actually end up coming back better than I was before. 
And I honestly think that's like a muscle memory kind of thing. Cause I think it's like, because a lot of times when I, when I start playing again, I'll completely change up my stroke. Cause like I'll start off kind of bad. And then like, as I go, I start playing really good. And then like probably like my third or fourth round in, I'm shooting pretty well. Um, like, and since I moved to Nashville, I mean, I started playing again kind of towards the beginning of this year. And I have been playing pretty good golf since then. Uh, but I think I'm starting to get to the point where I'm going to hit it where I'm like, all right, I need to quit playing for a while. And then I'll, and then I'll play like come June and I'll start playing really good again. I'll probably be better than I was this time. So I think half of my problem is, is the baseball swing because I'm, I hit fungos all day, every day. And then I come off of a baseball field and I pick up a golf club and I'm like, what is this? How does one hit a ball that is below your feet? Yep. When I used to take private lessons for golf, they used to tell me playing tennis and playing baseball is like the worst thing you can do for your golf swing. It really messes you up. All right, guys. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for coming and listening. As always, we appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all. Black leather jacket in the summer I'm a whiskey on a Monday Just because I wanna Get my head strong from my mama And my daddy taught me how to face the thunder Keep my head up, ain't going under Never gonna be giving up easy And I'm never gonna change to please nobody I'm on a fast track, I'm on a wild streak And I'm gonna make the whole damn world see Daddy tell me how to face the thunder Got my cold heart from my exes And my will to run from the fences I'm dangerous Oh, you won't see me coming, but yeah You're gonna feel it when